Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. Hi, and welcome back. I'm thrilled to have you join us today, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to um, my friend and colleague, Raul Mehra. Raul is director at IBI of Senior Practice Lead Intelligence Systems and the Smart Cities Sandbox. And that's exactly what we're talking about today, the Smart Cities Sandbox. So I'll turn it over to Raul to introduce himself and say hello. Thank you, Katerina. It's great to be here. Uh, being, a, a, an being a director at IBI Group as part of the intelligence practice has been a great uh, experience at IBI Group, where I've been able to participate in numerous projects where we're delivering systems uh, primarily within the sort of transportation or the buildings environment. And through that process, we started to create a lot of relationships with different companies, you know, developers, technology providers, uh, private sector companies, public sector companies. And a lot of the themes around smart cities started to evolve naturally. And we thought, okay, what can make sense so we can start thinking about ideas together. And we came, and we came up with the Smart City Sandbox. And, and Raul, tell, tell me more about that. You know, I, I am very familiar with IBI, as a lot of us are uh, in the industry and the consulting, you know, supportive piece for developers and planning development applications. Why Smart Cities? What, what turned uh, the attention for the company into, you know, focusing in this area? I think a lot of it stemmed from when a, more than the right sort of players in the in the industry were talking about smart cities. There was different mindsets around what a smart city was, how it was to become, but they weren't necessarily people who were actually delivering smart city solutions. Uh, we had already been a long player in delivering technology solutions for cities across the world, and we knew that we had a very good understanding of what smart cities were and what needed to make a smart city. So we really wanted to then collect a common group of firms, private and public sector, that could come together and make sure that we were talking about those ideas and evolving them together so that when we were talking to the wider audience of smart city community, we were coming with the right themes and the right ideas to how to make those things evolve um, most best for cities instead of it being uh, sort of trending topics amongst the those that weren't necessarily in the know. And so how did this uh, sandbox get started? What is the uh, origin story for the Smart City Sandbox? So most credit goes to uh, Scott Stewart, our CEO. And he had seen, you know, these conversations happening, the, the discussions amongst some of our common friends in the, in the industry, both, again, I, I keep emphasizing it, but it's important, both private and public sector, needing to, to come together on 
how uh, new developments were going to factor in smart city themes, how to incorporate what we were doing as a firm, both technology and design solutions as communities were coming together. And that's where he felt the need to bring together uh, the, the initial partner group. The initial partners included Ellis Don, uh, the Weather Network, Slate, Asset Management, um, OC, OCI, which was previously OCE, the Ontario Centers of Innovation is their new name. Uh, we also had Microsoft as a supporting technology provider. And we had, um, have added, oh, sorry, an Ontario power generation. Recently, we've added in 2021, Multiplex and most recently Dentons to that partnership group. And together we're, we're continuing to work on innovative ideas around what can help evolve how our communities are more technology savvy and factoring in different technology solutions. That's great. And that certainly shows that balance between the public and private sector. And it's one of the uh, things that really um, drew Dentons to the sandbox um, and the opportunity to collaborate, uh, brainstorm and learn from one another. Uh, what are the kind of things that you've done to date in the sandbox? Well, one thing I think is a very good example was we wanted to first come together and what are the needs for a community? So, so EV charging solutions was a, was a really important one, but the standard deployment of a EV charging station that had already been done. And we had heard through our, our collaboration and our discussions amongst the sandbox community about an innovative idea being done by a company called Switch. And the solution was to do an EV charging station that in addition to allowing a vehicle to charge at the station, that it could also provide energy to the building. So it could offset the peak energy demand that the building may encounter. So we under, started to work with Switch, discuss the solution, figure out the logistics about what that, can make that happen. And we've now uh, of recent deployed a pilot of that technology in our head office at 55 St. Clair in Toronto, uh, nicely branded. So if you ever go down into the parking garage there at 55 St. Clair, you can quickly see this Switch pilot um, with a, actually an EV um, vehicle is, is positioned there with also the same branding, but it allows for giving energy to the building, not just let alone charging your own vehicle. That's really incredible. And I will certainly look for it. Wow. Uh, what, a, what a great, great story and initiative uh, for IBI. Uh, what um, that's making me think of a, a lot of different things, including, um, you know, gas prices at the pump and, and the impact in, in the current world and uh, dynamics and strife and political um, and war and everything else. Uh, what other um, themes and trends are you seeing in the sandbox? Well, along the EV charging theme, we're seeing that most developments are going to look at incorporating some, some access to EV charging, if not a significant portion. Uh, you know, you're doing a parking parking space allotment of some sort, you're going to allow for EV charging. We've even seen some developers who would make all parking spaces fully equipped with EV charging. But the things that, that Switch has been doing and some of the uh, innovations that are along those lines is to now make those EV charging spots more intelligent. Maybe they're a Wi-Fi hotspot in addition to being an EV charging station. So getting away from you know gas stations the typical approach there's going to be a more 
centered around the development itself to allow for quick and quick and easy access to to EV charging. I know the city of Toronto is doing a pilot right now where some EV charging stations have been positioned specifically on um, on residential streets. So soon enough, you know, trying to tackle EV charging within an urban context as well as, as a suburban context will be there so we can have uh, easy access to EV charging and people won't be so hesitant to purchasing an EV vehicle with that um, uh, range anxiety concept where people are worried about, well, where am I able to charge my vehicle? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, this is also making me think uh, about a, a topic that was previously covered on another um, podcast with our mutual friend, uh, Terry Olnick in digital twinning. I know that you've worked in that space as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Most definitely. So it, it's another key theme within the sandbox. Uh, we recently did a, an event focused on digital twins. Uh, Terry helped uh, with the hosting of that event and it was quite successful in that we had over 500 registrants and uh, a significant portion of those people attended and we had key players like Microsoft and Autodesk uh, present at the event and, and really share their thought leadership on what a digital twin is and how you can take advantage of using a digital twin of your development. Uh, it's still an evolving topic and we've seen it really cross, cross over and, and clash with this concept of the metaverse. We have architects like ourselves building digital twins so you can leverage the information for uh, you know, asset management or energy monitoring and modeling and, and the ongoing management of your development. Whereas the metaverse is saying, well, no, I want to just take that digital twin and live in it. I want to be part of that digital environment. So the gaming community is also really looking at and building these uh, all-encompassing virtual reality spaces. So we're trying to now see, okay, Digital twins are needed from a, a, a sort of infrastructure necessity to manage your ongoing evolution of your of your development product, be it a building or a or a piece of land. But the the metaverse community is saying, well, I don't care about the physical infrastructure. Mm -hmm. We're going to dive into an old entirely new planet that's completely virtual. And the thing about building a virtual environment, there's no limitations that the typical structural context um, that requires in today's environments that are physical. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It's really gonna be a, a whole new space, but the, are we really gonna spend two years in a pandemic where we were sort of missing interaction with people and start thinking about going into a virtual reality instead of a, a physical one? I, I personally don't think so. I see that the metaverse is, an, is a unique concept that may have its space, but not necessarily um, where we're needing to be. Yeah, de definitely agree there. Not, not I. I want to go out rather than stay in, although absolutely fascinating uh, concepts of the meta uh, universe and virtual reality. Do you think the gaming um, aspect of it and that push will benefit um, our work in the digital twinning space and, and sort of the uh, um, more tangible physical um, benefits to um, the real space? Yeah, it will be interesting. Uh, one one interesting note from a from a colleague who helps build digital twins is that the gaming community spends like hundreds of millions of dollars in when they build these virtual environments. So um, they're definitely much more dominant in the space when it comes to building these virtual 
in, uh, spa uh, reality spaces and gaming and endeavors because there's such a lucrative um, business case for them. Mm -hmm. Architects and developers are going to have to be maybe swayed into how they really feature in that virtual space. But you are getting um, some of the some of the key real estate individuals who understand physical real estate now trying to understand the virtual real estate. That's great, Brian. Well, thanks for that. So what challenges are you seeing in the smart city space? There's a couple. One in particular is, you know, in the urban environment in places like Toronto and, and other major city centers, broadband and availability of broadband is, is, is prominent and there's no real concern. But when you look at rural communities or First Nations throughout Canada, you're getting um, an underlying necessity to have broadband and it do and doesn't really exist to the same extent as it does in the urban landscape. So we're seeing a need to, to build that fundamental layer of infrastructure across all communities. And, and the pandemic really emphasized that. Everyone from the, their need to work and their need to be educated was emphasized during the pandemic. And we needed that broadband infrastructure and it wasn't available everywhere. Fortunately, we're starting to see funding being provided by um, key government entities to support those initiatives. And we'll start to see uh, a significant amount of broadband being pushed where it needs to be. And there'll be ideally, instead of it being dominated with a monopoly of some of the key companies that we know in with respect to broadband service delivery, that there might be an opportunity in those spaces to allow for more competition, smaller players to offer up the broadband services. Uh, therefore, you're in increasing the need for, or era, allowing for competition and, and more companies to be in those spaces, as well as serving the, the essential need uh, with those communities. And we see a, a role with the regulations needed to roll out that broadband for, for likes of Dentons um, to, to ensure that the the framework for competition, the framework for rolling out that broadband infrastructure is, is followed amongst the various regulatory bodies that would be involved. Now, once that broadband infrastructure is in place, and this is kind of the way that we, when we do a lot of our smart city strategy work, uh, we're talking with a lot of our, the key developers throughout the world and, and municipalities, we, we emphasize the, the need for the infrastructure to be placed so that you can start to build in the other layers of necessity and that are common to smart cities. So EV charging stations would then be built, tied into a broadband infrastructure and allow for those EV charging stations to be monitored. You could present charging opportunities at those stations. Um, then there's initiatives say, now Cafe TO is an example where, again, through the pandemic, there was an overwhelming need to read redesign and, and um, repurpose space within the city to accommodate uh, an essential need, which was people still wanted to go to restaurants, still wanted to be entertained, but in a safe manner. Mm -hmm. So they repurposed parking spaces and, and, and re-evaluated re, re how the space was being used. Now, IBI was um, working together with the city of Toronto and doing that. And uh, we did that for, I think, about a thousand restaurants in Toronto. But with the broad, if the broadband infrastructure was in place and, and the technology related to where those spaces were being done was then synchronized to a common location, then everyone could see that. Well, actually mm -hmm. that was recognized the second time around 
um, and they actually leveraged a utility called Curb IQ to really bring in all the data and information about each one of those cafe TO locations. Another evolution that needs to really come together in the urban framework is to get real-time information about, say, things like patio locations, but ideally about parking locations. And then similarly for EV charging locations, because you as a user of these amenities, you want to come to somewhere like downtown Toronto and know with comfort that one, you could get access to a EV charging station that's available, or you could get access to a parking spot, and then you can quickly go over to a patio that's now, say, a cafe TO patio. So this is kind of how we see things really coming together from the the communications infrastructure, allowing for mm -hmm. some of these smart city concepts to start to be built around, which again, come to a need for regulatory frameworks around where these spaces can be, how they can be used. Uh, the governments are involved, they need to be factored in. And then the other theme that's really dominant is all that data. Mm -hmm. The significant amount of data that's being generated and really right. we we saw a significant amount of concern around the data when it came to the, um, the really publicly known project in Toronto, the Sidewalk Labs project there at the waterfront, where the community was very excited about a smart city. And I think that through your podcast, you're starting to see that excitement. People are really in, mm -hmm. engaged, really want to say, okay, what is a smart city? How's it going to come together? But wait a second. I like all these tools, all these trinkets, but I don't want my privacy to be in, you know, encroached upon. So that's the other real dominant theme that we think is after you start to build out these services, how are you ensuring that the data related to individuals is, is maintained private? And we're very excited to have Dentons be part of our team to really lead and tackle that specific topic. You know, the likes of IBI, Multiplex, uh, uh, the, the suite of startups that we have underlying the, the main partners with the likes of uh, Switch, Weather Telematics, um, Map Your Property, and there's a handful of others that we're really trying to bring into the fold. They're all doing these really great initiatives as well as we're all sort of building out solutions for smart cities, but this common theme of how do we manage privacy? How do we manage, you know, sticking with regulatory frameworks and the mandates by all the municipalities is where we really see Dentons fitting in. Certainly, and, and uh, our partners in the data and privacy space and, and colleague lawyers um, are uh, well-equipped and well-versed in that space, having had that experience even with sidewalk labs and the challenges uh, there and elsewhere. So that's definitely a live issue. Um, it's interesting how the last two years of the pandemic has really pushed a lot of this to the forefront, whether you know, we're thinking, as you said, with broadband and the challenges uh, with internet connections, our favorite uh, almost daily tagline of I can't hear you or you're muted or your connections uh, being dropped or whatever it may be has you know, really, really this time has focused on um, infrastructure, whether it's, you know, that broadband infrastructure or aging infrastructure at large, uh, lot, lots of challenges, lots of opportunities, and lots and lots of exciting um, uh, trends and themes and just ongoing, you know, challenges to tackle. So thank you again, Raul. Uh, this has been great. Um, uh, any closing words before we sign off? 
No, I, well, I'll just mention that, uh, you know, as we are shifting towards what will likely be a hybrid future, especially for the sandbox, we'll, we'll be embracing that reality. So in 2022, we have an exciting sort of program where we're going to start to focus in on maybe doing one more virtual event. So just um, in relation to the sandbox and how it came together, we launched right when the pandemic hit. And we have a beautiful space at 55 St. Clair that we're very excited to have all of our partners in and all of the community join us at, uh, and we have a whole program evolving that relates to the physical environment. But with the pandemic that was put on hold, uh, we're now excited to sort of slowly roll into that. So uh, probably one more virtual event in 2022, and then look to a hybrid future where we'll start hosting uh, some keynote events at our, at our space in uh, St. Clair. But it's not just an event space. And that's one thing I really wanna emphasize when we're really rolling into to working with the likes of Dentons and all the startups and all the partners. It's a space where we can meet, collaborate. We can get the understanding of the solutions being done by these startups, demo days, um, you know, getting CEOs of these startups to meet up with the right parties and really mm -hmm. bring them to market. We're not, we're not just going to only sit at the idea stage in the sandbox. That's what we're seeing is ideas are, are coming together, but they're coming together and we're seeing real implementable solutions being done by startups. We're seeing them demonstrate them. They're exciting. They're interesting. And then we're going to start to see them being rolled out throughout the community at least in the, the GTA, if not across the world. So we're really excited to get people in the space, meeting, collaborating, and um, moving forward smart cities. Yeah, we're very excited to join you in that venture. Uh, it is a stunning space. It's really impressive and beautiful, but, but I understand it's more than the physical space um, in addition to the virtual. Uh, it's an idea sharing, and we are thrilled to be part of it this year and see what 2022 has to bring. Uh, so we're there for the virtual event, um, of course, and, and going forward. Thank you again for your time. Um, lots of great things ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group would be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our Smart Cities Chat podcast series. <music>